I can bring you in warm, or I can bring you in cold. I have spoken. You're listening to The Mandalorian After Show, with Ben Rayside and Ethan Wensloff. When one chooses to walk the way of the Mandalore, you are both hunter and prey. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a 9.5 when I looked yesterday, so I don't know what it went down to. Well, you'll have to find out. I will. Because that's, uh, that's in this. I'm on the edge of my seat. Did you say that was the You're family? You're lounging. Did you say that was the family iPad? No, this is mine. Oh. I was asking you if you had a family oh, iPad no. that you could use. Because, <laughs> dude, that's it, very nice. Reading comics on this thing is very enjoyable. I'm not well, going to lie. Why don't you just buy me an iPad, Ben? No. For the show? Yeah. I think we got to get With both get mul- iPads. Yeah. For those of you listening, me and Ben would really appreciate some donations to buy a, a, a nicer soundboard and better mics. You, we, There's got to be someone out there who's got loads of cash. Come someone on. listening who has just <laughs> won the lottery, like our boy Hugo Reyes. <gasps> yeah. Just send some money our way. We'd, we'd sound way more crispy. We could have guests on the podcast weekly. I don't want to like, I don't want to overstep my bounds here, but if you do get the iPads, we would like the newest version of the iPad Pro, please. With the keyboard. That Oh, yes, with the keyboard, yes. Dude, have you tried those? They're huge. The keyboards? Like, well, no, the, the Pros, the iPad Pros. Oh, Because they're freaking big. Why don't they just get us MacBooks so you can edit the videos too on a um, MacBook? What, what's it? I, I don't know. MacBooks are crispy. MacBooks are crispy, but I'd rather have an iPad. I don't know. I think Microsoft is best when it comes to computers. Yeah, but not for just every other aspect. Like for gaming, yeah. But for work-wise and making videos-wise. Apple's better. Yeah. Huh. The linkability between all the devices That's true. is so convenient. I, I don't it's all in your iCloud and hmm. everything just transfers from thing to thing. So, if you're listening and you're going to buy us these things, just buy us both, and then we can try them out and let you know, and it'll be great. I think yeah, we'll we should send, do that. We'll send back whichever ones are garbage. Yeah. You can have that. You can have the uh, scraps. <laughs> well, the, the box, box scraps. <laughs> no way, man. <laughs> you're... <laughs> you got to be kidding me. <laughs> With a box of scraps. That's how you can tell we're Marvel fans, man. Ben's got the Marvel hoodie on today. Oh, yeah, man. It's also really hairy. Jeez. Just like Jawas. Chewy, hit the hyper drive. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Wait, what do you mean? It's what the... What's her face said? Curly hair chick? What's her name? Pelimoto? Yeah. She said the Jawas are hairy. Because she dated one. Frank, I forgot about that. <laughs> Snikes. No, actually, no. I did make a note of that in here. Good. Her, no, you know what? We'll talk about it. <clears throat> we got to get into this. Thing. Yeah, let's jump right in. Ben. We got to get into this, man. Come on. I What's up, everybody? Trying. Welcome back to Multiverse Monologues. Today, we're going to be talking about the, uh, the Book of Boba Fett, the most recent episode. And if you're a little confused as to the intro music this week, 
it was all Mando themed, and rightly so because we're gonna start off here. I just I just want to say it's spoiler warning. We're gonna be talking in depth about the Book of Boba, Episode Five: The Return of the Mandalorian. I say we, me, Benjamin Rayside, and me, Ethan Wetzloff. And you know, it's now that the spoiler warning's out of the way. This this was an episode of the Mandalorian. This this was not an episode of the Book of Boba Fett. No way. This, all of the, I was so surprised that they started with Mando. I was like, oh, right off the bat, let's go. Let's get into it. And then they didn't connect the dots at all until the end. <laughs> and to an extent, it's a little frustrating. We're, we'll talk about it. I've yeah. got that in the rundown. But it's it was a little odd for me right off the bat. But I just want to go out and say that this episode was the most fantastic piece of Star Wars content I've seen since... I think I saw Luke Skywalker mowing down the Dark Troopers at the end of Mando Season 2 because <laughs> it is a little jarring when you compare it to the other episodes of Boba Fett. But we'll talk about that. We'll get into it. This episode, The Return of the Mandalorian, on IMDb has a 9.4 as of this morning. Overall, the show has a 7.7, 7, mm-hmm. so I think this definitely brought it up. I didn't check before that. I've got to get in the habit of that. But on Rotten Tomatoes, this episode has a 100%. So clearly people like this episode. Clearly people like The Mandalorian. And seeing as this was a Mandalorian-focused episode, this was <laughs> this was a crowd favorite. <laughs> it was definitely my favorite episode. of the, But I don't, I don't count this as a, an episode of Book of Boba Fett. I know. It's really weird, Ben. I, I don't even know what to think of this because... This is an awesome Mandalorian episode. This is an awesome piece of Star Wars content and an awesome place for Star Wars lore. But as a Boba Fett episode, it's got to be like a a 0 out of 10. Just as a Boba Fett episode. Just because we have seven episodes of this Boba Fett series to tell this story of Boba Fett. If we're going to put Mando in this, which of course I love Mando, Dinjar and is like a top five, top right. ten character in Star Wars right now. And I love seeing him. It was great spending this whole episode with him. But it's like, all right, you wanted to tell us this Boba Fett story. You deprived us of season three of Mandalorian to tell us this story. So tell us the Boba Fett story. And I'll say this. this we, we aren't finished with the book of Boba Fett yet. Maybe there's a reason why we spent a whole episode with The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. John Favreau is the creator of The Mandalorian TV show. He directed and helmed a lot of seasons one and two of that show. And now he is writing this show. He is not directing an episode, but he's writing the whole thing. So he's got a plan in place. And I'll say this. I think I was able to easily reconcile the fact that this was just an episode of The Mandalorian because... I'm so very used to the Clone Wars storytelling mm-hmm. and how you take a whole lot of, like, you take four episodes to focus on this, and then the next episode just hyper-focuses on that. I mean, that's not what we expect in these live-action TV shows, but it, I think I was able to, I don't know, reconcile with it. But I do understand the criticisms because a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people say, well, you know, you take one episode of Mandalorian in the Book of Boba Fett, and this is already better than all of it combined. Like I've seen a lot of people say that, and I think that's, I think that's very unfair. I don't know. It, 
this is an episode of The Mandalorian. I don't know why they decided to include it in the book of Boba Fett, but I think we are at a point now in the book of Boba Fett where you have the coming conflict and that's pretty much it. Yeah. So I think two episodes is more than enough time to tell that story. I don't think you need three episodes. Do I think three episodes could have been taken to tell that story? Yes, I do think that. And I don't know. We're just going to have to see how it shakes out before we give a judgment. Because if there's one thing I know and one thing I trust, it's John Favreau. Uh-huh. He's given us a lot of good stuff, man. And he knows what he's doing. So I trust the process. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I I definitely trust in John Favreau. I just, it's just weird because now that Mando's been introduced in the show and he was introduced so ceremoniously with this mm. big, long, awesome episode just focused on him. It's like, how do you have Mando in this show now and make me want to still focus on Boba? Mm. Because like we've talked about before, the reason Boba is different than what all the lore about him was is because they gave a lot of his characteristics and traits and coolness to Din Djarin. To Mando, right. In the Mandalorian. So then you had to make Boba his own character. But now you have these two in this show, and it's going to be really hard to make me want to look at Boba Fett and care about his story now that we have Din Djarin in this. Right, because, I mean, he comes in. Who, who do I want to see more at this point? It's crazy, the world we live in now, because I would rather watch a story about a character introduced two years ago rather than a legacy character from the original trilogy, Boba Fett, one of the most famous, I should say infamous Star Wars characters of all time. (laughs) And it's crazy. It's a testament to how good Mando is. Well, yeah, it's just crazy. The the lore that was built around just Boba and his uh, armor, the two appearances he had in the original trilogy. Three, if you want to count the added A New Hope scene. But just that, they built this whole place of Mandalore with all these Mandalorians based on just this guy's appearance. And now he just doesn't feel as big as he once did because of all the lore that surrounds him. Hmm. Yeah, I get I get it. I, underst- I understand the criticisms, but I just think we got to wait. Mm-hmm. And see how it all shakes out at the end of the day. And then we can offer our fair criticism. Because especially Hawkeye, that was the first show we really covered all the way through in depth. If I'm not mistaken, right? We did some of What If. Yeah, that's true. But that was the full show that we covered from beginning to end on the podcast. Mm -hmm. And while we were doing our recordings and we were talking about it and breaking it down and everything, I, I found myself in a different state of mind after the show finished out. And I think I like it less after the show (laughs) ended because I I just look at it differently after the show ends. So I think that's what we need to do. So, and I also, I will say this as a caveat, as a disclaimer, I am just a really, really big star Wars fan. So I think maybe I am a little too apologetic at times. So we definitely got to see where the story goes and see what these next two episodes have in store for us. Because I'm sure, no, I know these next two are going to be awesome. It's just, how do you make them awesome? And how do you have Boba and Mando in this and still tell the Boba Fett story? Yeah. Because based on what I've seen so far is I feel like they should have 
done a Mandalorian season three, but have Boba be a core piece of that and you focus on him. Cause now it's just weird because you gotta you gotta watch the first two seasons of Mando, then you gotta hop over here to see this story, then they're gonna do a third season of Mando. I mean, the Marvel Cinematic Universe does this stuff all the time where you yeah. have to go around from different shows to connect the pieces. So it's not completely frustrating, but it's just okay. Din Djarin has a major role in this show now. But I don't know. And I'll say this, because it's like Everyone who watched the Mando didn't watch Boba Fett, but I mean, everyone who's watching Boba Fett watched the Mandalorian. So you get your core base right there. But I was even talking to Angie and I was like, hey, you actually might want to watch the most recent episode of the book of Boba Fett because she's not watching it, but she loved Mando. Yeah. And I was like, you might want to watch it because this whole episode is focused on Mando and what and she was like, okay, maybe. But that's, I think that's where it is, man. Book of Boba is reaching your core fan base. And, I mean, it's it's reaching out, but not the way The Mandalorian did. Because I was listening to some podcasts back when the show premiered, and this was like, this took the whole world. The whole world watched The Mandalorian. Everyone watched it. I was so surprised when, this was before Sam was into all of Star Wars and everything, and she she was like, hey, me and Ange watched The Mandalorian. I was like, what? You guys watch Star Wars? And she was like, yeah. we wa-. like It was actually really good. And I was like, this could be the start of something. <laughs> this, this could... And then she watched everything. <laughs> yeah, you, could, you could call Mando the WandaVision of Star Wars. Yes. I mean, Mando happened first, of course. So technically, WandaVision is uh, after Mando. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, the, both shows are an example of just the universe doing something different and bringing in so many more fans that weren't a part of the universe before. It was their entryway into the Marvel verse. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the Marvel Cinematic Universe is so it's it's very easy to get into, I would say, cuz all of their movies at a base core are very enjoyable. They're funny and anyone can really have a good time watching them. But when you get a show like WandaVision that really like it was just everyone was tuning in. I was so excited every week to tune in and see all the theories. Like I think Moon Knight's going to have this effect yeah. too. I, uh-huh. I, at least I hope it would. The sitcom aspect really got a lot of people into it for WandaVision though. So, but the mystery behind it is that's where I think a lot of it was. That's what drew a lot of people in. And yeah, what both these shows, what both Mando and WandaVision did very well is they played uh, homage to all these other shows and movies. Mando Mando has references to all these uh, westerns and just everything. And then WandaVision did that with literally the history of TV. It takes you through each decade of television and just why it was unique in its own way mm. it was just really cool to see it was i so i i agree i like that this show that the mandalorian was its entryway and i'm hoping that his introduction into the book of boba fett will get more people to now watch book of boba fett because while the mandalorian does have the best episode of the book of boba fett i still am really invested in Boba's story and how it's all going to shake out 
and this huge war and conflict at the end of these really last two episodes of the show. But let's get into it. We've got the rundown here, and I want to just... I want to just say at the start out, this is just, I can't wait to get into this because there are so many things that this episode does right for hardcore fans of the Star Wars universe. And also just as a storytelling, like it's just a really good story. Just to see where he's at after the huge, all this huge stuff in Mando season two. And they do it so well, just like they do at the beginning of Mando season one. It's like a reintroduction, basically. The title, The Return of the Mandalorian, evokes The Return of the Jedi, the old title back in uh, the 80s. I know. This whole episode, man, I was just so pumped for this whole episode. Start to finish, I was fully invested in what they're showing me. And it just really is a nice refresher for how much we love this character. Because seeing him on screen again was just so great. Yes. It really was. <laughs> yes, it was. So let's get into it. This episode opens on a Rocky-style meat locker. It, it looks like it's ripped straight out of that movie. And we see a bunch of Clatoonians, and we see a shadow approach on the outside of a door. And immediately I was like, holy crap, we're getting Mando right away. Well, his music kicks let's into it. Yeah, they didn't waste any time showing him. I was, like, I was ready for it. No way. Let's go. Mando walks through, and he meets with Caba Baez. He's here for a bounty on him. Someone wants him. He's He owes people credits. That's what we know. As they argue, Mando gives him one of the instantly classic lines from season one. I can bring you in warm or I can bring you in cold. They get into a fight and I cannot express to you how cool Din looks wielding the Darksaber. When he ignited that thing, it was like all of the fan posters online came to life. It looks so well, the color palette of the black and white saber to his silver armor. It, it makes it look, every shot that he's wielding that thing, it looks perfect. Not only is the dark saber one of the coolest weapons in Star Wars, but Din Djarin wielding it. He, he is just the coolest looking Star Wars character, man. He just is. <laughs> his helmet, dude, the T-visor, and every, like even his, I was noticing this during the train ride before that, but his, his little mudhorn crest on his shoulder pauldron, dude, he just looks so freaking epic. <laughs> but I like that during that fight that he, he injures himself. Yeah, uh-huh. Like anyone would wielding a saber for if the I first time. I picked up a saber for the first time. I know I'd like cut my whole arm off. That's what I'm saying. Like I loved that little added bonus. Like, hey, guess what? We're not gonna make this character so overpowered right away. <clears throat> Looking at you, Ray. But we are gonna have this character go through the growing pains and the training as he does later on in this episode to show that hey, he's not just a beast right off the bat, especially with this dark saber which means so much to him and to us as fans, but to Mandalore as a culture, which we're going to talk about later on, because I want to do a little history of the Darksaber and how it is to where we are. How it now. came and to be in Mando's position. Lay it out for everyone, pretty much, because it's, it's pretty simple, but you kind of have to watch two shows. And <laughs> really, it's got a really rich history. There's a I lot, love it. Yeah, there's a lot to it, man. And so I'm look I'm really looking forward to that. But the next scene is just this episode continues to be who directed this? Bryce Dallas Howard. She has done the sanctuary episode where he goes to the um uh what was it? 
The Forest Planet, where he meets with Cara Dune in, in season one. She directed that episode. She also directed, um, oh, jeez. She directed another one, another one that was legit perfect in season two. I forget what it was, though. But her directing style, what I'm trying to say is her directing style is absolutely perfect. And it's so accentuated by the scene where he it's a one take and he legit walks throughout the city, goes into the elevator, rides up, walks into his meeting hall, doesn't accept the bounty, walks down, goes down throughout the elevator all in one take on this halo ring. Ripped straight out of the Halo games. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but it 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 didn't feel like Halo at all. It it felt like okay, yeah, this is in the Star Wars universe, and him walking throughout the city with the backdrop of space as the sky, pretty much. Oh my gosh, this is pure Star. I'm gonna say that a lot during this review. This is pure Star Wars, and it's like it shows you how centralizing yourself in one location and i will say this this is what the book of boba does to mm -hmm. its detriment but yeah. centralizing in one location kind of hurts the scope and feel of a star wars story we have not seen them go off planet at all it's only been on tatooine so it feels hyper focused but this you get mando on this in this meat locker on on this halo ring on this ship escorting him to Moss Eisley and then on Tatooine and then he goes back out with his Naboo starfighter it, it it makes it feel like yeah you know what this is part of a galaxy rather than you know two cities on Tatooine yeah it just this world is huge and we haven't got to see a lot of it in Boba Fett so far I will say for Boba's story and the story they're trying to tell you kind of can't go off no yeah you need it to be Tatooine centric but I think you can design a story to fit. Like, I would have, I think I would have preferred Boba Fett and Fennec to go off world and meet the Mando yeah. to give us this sense of scope. And then maybe you do the episode like this. I mean, I, I don't know. It, it, it kind of gets dicey once you so, get into that. But I, I mean, I like the episode. So yeah, this is my question is we talked about how the IMDb score for this is 9.4. Mm hmm. But if this aired in Mando season three, how highly reviewed would you think it is? Is it just be this highly reviewed because it's thrown in this cluster of Boba Fett episodes, or is this genuinely that good of a Mando episode? Because I, I do, I think this is a good episode of TV, just period. But is it going to be as beloved by fans if you don't have all the other stuff leading up to it? I say yes. Yeah, I say yes because of how much it it ties into. Legit almost everything. The prequels, the Clone Wars, Rebels, even even a, a, a video game released three years ago. Like, it, that's what this show does so well. That's what these shows do so well. And what the sequels failed to do. Where they were like, you know, we, we hate the prequel trilogy. We're, we're only going to reference it in in a bad way. They were yeah. afraid of using those ideas. This embraces all Star Wars storytelling. And you get scenes where he's flying around in the same spot that Anakin raced around in his pod racer. That was so cool. Dude, come on. That's so epic. Like, that. that's what this show's doing so well. Yeah, man, 
Mando is the perfect gateway drug into the Star Wars universe because it does reference every era of Star Wars. And if a fan were to just be getting into Star Wars, Mando's perfect because it's like, oh, where did this Darksaber come from? Then you want to get into the Clone Wars. Then you want to get into all the prequels before that. It just, it's not, you know, it's a good introduction for yes. new fans. Absolutely it is. So in answer to your question, yes, I, I do think I do think this would be at 100% because there's so much in this. There's so much good stuff in this episode, man. <laughs> um, where were we at? So you're talking about the elevator scene, but before yes. that, the fight he has in the meat locker. That's just so cool. But at the end, I had a question. Hmm. So he beheads a guy. Then you see him holding the bag, but the bag is dripping blood. Why do we think it's doing that? Right, because the lightsaber cauterizes the wound. Yeah. Did dude get a bloody nose or something? I don't know. Because the camera focuses on the bag dripping blood. Does a darksaber have different rules? Did he cut his head or did he cut his body he, in He half? cut him in half and then it goes to behind the, uh, whatever you call those plastic things hanging yes. down the meat locker. It cuts from the other side of that and you see him through that cut his head off. Oh, okay. And then he comes out with it in the bag. Maybe it does. Maybe it's not an, a, an energy crystal. Um. Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the crystal name. Kyber. Ugh. Kyber crystal, yes, thank you. Um, maybe it's not a kyber crystal. Maybe it's something else. I mean, no other blade looks that shape or is that long. Or I mean, it it just is a different deal. So maybe, maybe that's it's a just good question, a, though. Maybe it's just a New Hope reference. So we know in uh, the cantina when Obi-Wan cuts <laughs> dude's you arm off. just watch yourself. We want it on 12 systems. We've got the death sentence. Dude. That scene is epic. We get a we get a new hope reference actually in this episode. That is a good question though. I wonder if the I don't think they'll answer that though. I think it's kind of a tiny detail. Maybe a nitpick if you really want to go there. That's why I was going there. I don't know. I also will say this, as he's walking throughout that city, I really like how there are hidden Mando symbols on the walls of the streets that only Mando can see. So it's like if you're a Mandalorian, yeah, you know where to go, but no one else knows that. I know that's really cool. I thought that was just a, a, just a nice added detail that further expands these Mandalorians who just it keep expanding more and more and more. We know more and more about them and I think this has a lot to do with the future of where we're going, especially the dialogue that the armor and Din Djarin have. So after this, he sees these, and he goes down to the Undercity, and Mando meets with Paz Vizsla and the Armorer from Season 1 of The Mandalorian, and we get a history lesson on the Darksaber. The Armorer says, do you understand the significance of this blade? And Din says, whoever wields it can lead all of Mandalore. If it is won by Creed in battle, it is said one warrior will defeat twenty, and the multitudes will fall before it. If, however, it is not won in combat and falls into the hands of the undeserving, it will be a curse unto the nation of Mandalore, and Mandalore will be laid to waste and its people scattered to the four winds. And this is a clear reference to Rebels. If you've seen Rebels, you know exactly what she's talking about. And 
I don't know if I don't want to. I don't really. You don't worry about spoilers. No, you're sure. I, the show came out so long ago. I should have seen it already. Yeah, I guess it's not really that even big of a moment. Really, I mean, it's played that way, but it's not of huge focus in the overall story of Rebels, I should say. But a, I just a brief history of the dark saber. This was made by Tar Vizsla thousands of years ago in the Old Republic, and then this fell into the hands of pre Vizsla in the Clone Wars. We see that arc, and Obi Wan finds out, and pre Vizsla has this dark saber, so he uses this to overtake Mandalore and with Darth Maul. Darth Maul then challenges Pre Vizsla, and he takes the dark saber as he kills Pre Vizsla. So Maul has this saber all the way through Clone Wars, through into Rebels when we see him again. And so one of the main characters in Rebels takes this saber, and she takes back Mandalore. During the Empire days, Mandalore was sacked, honestly. And so she takes back this saber, and at the end of the last Mandalore arc, she hands it to Bo-Katan Kryze, who we know if in Mandalorian, and if you've seen Clone Wars, and she hands it to her. It is not given to her by combat. It is a gift because of a bloodline, a blood relation to Satine, mm -hmm. Duchess Satine in the Clone Wars. So she is given the blade, and this harkens to the line that the armor says right here. If, however, it is not won in combat and falls into the hands of the undeserving, as in Bo-Katan, it will be a curse onto the nation of Mandalore, and it will be destroyed, as it happens in the Empire days. Din says, this hilt is of a quality of Beskar I have never seen before. And she says, it was forged over 1,000 years ago by Mandalore, by the Mandalore Tarvisla. So Mandalore is a planet, but Mandalore is also a title given to the leader of Mandalore. So there, there was, I think, a man named just Mandalore back in the old, way back in the old days. But then this title got passed down to the leaders of Mandalore. He was both Mandalorian and Jedi. The songs of Eon's past foretold... And this, this is the future right here talking. The songs of Eon's past foretold of the Mythosaur rising here to lay waste to a new age of Mandalore. Sadly, it only exists in legends. So we get the prophecy of the Mythosaur and a Mandalorian taking back the, the planet of Mandalore. Mm -hmm. Do we see this coming up? Are we going to see Mando riding a Mythosaur? <laughs> I hope so. I think that would be so cool. Dude, Boba riding a Rancor is cool, but Mando riding a Mythosaur is even cooler. If you're watching on YouTube, there will be an image up of a mythosaur, and the scale of those things are just huge. Man. Well, I think at this point, Mando could do absolutely anything, and he'd be the coolest <laughs> guy on Earth. <laughs> that, that is true. Just the way he, like, struts around, like, as he was walking through that meat locker, just, he just is so cool, man. I, <laughs> how did they make this guy so cool in a, in a, in a universe where there are so many cool characters? He is one of the coolest like he's he's top five characters in Star Wars for me. I hate saying that because there's so many characters, but he's he's up there with they, they Obi Wan and Yoda. all out when designing this character. You even we're jumping ahead a little bit, but yeah. in the scene when he's getting on the the shuttle and he has to check in all his tool, <laughs> all his weapons, dude. Though that was epic. He is so decked out. This character is just loaded. 
and you see him walk in. He's got the spear on his jetpack yes. and the dark saber up on his shoulder. Or where's he keep it? He keeps it on his shoulder. He keep, right? No, it's on his like. I think it's part of his pack in the back. Yeah, just looks so good, dude. But going back to this scene, I think they did such a good job with Paz Vizsla here. The way yes. uh, Mando hands him the dark saber, and then he has to carry it over to the armor. Mm. The way he's, even though he's got a helmet on, you can tell this dude wants this dark saber. It's it evokes how important this thing is and the symbol that it represents. It's a, that that the symbolism of the dark saber is explored a lot in Star Wars Rebels, which actually the one of the top five episodes is Trials of the Dark Saber in Rebels, and it, it's that moves me every time I watch that episode. But a lot of it is evoked in this episode as well, and so we then get a recap of. Go ahead, you want yeah, to say something? What's Paz Vizsla's relationship to Pre Vizsla? Is that his dad or? Or do we not know? At this point, so Pre Vizsla died at the almost like at the end of the Clone Wars, and this takes place, gosh, almost twenty five years. So it would have to be either his son or his nephew, some form of direct bloodline. Yeah, at, at least in the Vizsla clan, because each Mandalorian house has a clan. Like the last name is who you're a part of, unless you're a foundling. So he Paz Vizsla is part of House Vizsla. Pre Vizsla is part of House Vizsla. Sabine Wren in Rebels is part of House Wren. And so Bo-Katan Kreese, she's part of House Kreese. So each person has... So it doesn't... You don't have to be like directly related like a son. If you're a part of that tribe, then you're... There is some relation you have, a familial... Um, connection i would say and so after this after she tells him about this we get a conversation about how mando defeated uh, moff gideon and how he obtained the beskar spear from ahsoka basically a catch-up hey this is what happened in season two you guys weren't here for this but you know i, I kind of had some crazy adventures for so for those of you <laughs> fans who are just watching the show for boba fett right let me cue you in on the epic adventures i've been having mm-hmm you know, it just met a few Jedi, you know, gave away my, my boy Grogu, seen new Boba Fett, you know. <laughs> a lot of stuff happened in season two, man. <laughs> he asks her, though, because he has dealings with Bo-Katan, have you ever heard of Bo-Katan Kreese? And she says, Bo-Katan is a cautionary tale. She once laid claim to rule Mandalore based purely by blood and the sword that you now possess. But it was gifted to her, and not won by Creed. Bo-Katan Kreese was born of a mighty house, but they lost sight of their way, and her rule ended in tragedy. They lost their way, and we lost our world. Had our sect not been cloistered in the moon of Concordia, we would not have survived the Great Purge. While she's saying these lines, Dude, we get some epic imagery of the sacking of Mandalore, dude. Holy cow. I did not expect to see Thai bombers and the sacking and the siege of this planet that I've grown, like I basically grew up with in a lot of episodes of Clone Wars. Like that that whole domed city is the capital city of Sundari, that where we spend all of our time in in Clone Wars, and that thing gets blown to smithereens, man. Dude, And it, but it was so cool. I like seeing that the shot of the droids walking through the wreckage, killing off whoever's still alive is... 
that was pretty uh that was pretty epic man <laughs> i gotta say when when we get scenes like this it makes me as the lore crazy person that i am just very very happy <laughs> I like getting the backstory and see, especially seeing it. I was, I was hoping we get like a little, a, a, like a legit scene with like Bo-Katan and yeah. Mandos during this time with like dialogue and stuff. But I think that's hoping for too much. You can never know. hope for too much, Ben. I, 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 <laughs> I don't know. Those born of Mandalore strayed away from the path and eventually Imperial interlopers destroyed all that we knew and loved in the night of a thousand tears. Only those that walked away escaped the cursed prophecies in the creed. Though our numbers are scattered in the four winds, our adherence to the way has preserved our legacy for generations, until we may someday return to our home world. So much more. I love it. And it, it's, it presents a clear path to, I think, where Mandalorian, the Mandalorian is going. Get We're going back to Mandalore, yeah. dude. Mandalorian, that show can go for 20 seasons, bro. It, <laughs> Pedro Pascal, you better be ready, man. Do you think this show's going to have a proper ending where he dies? Or do you think we're going to get him like he's going to... Because I think, dude, you build up all these characters. You make a movie, man. Like, make a movie with Mando, for all I care. Like, dude, you can make... Th like, this is a trilogy that would make a lot of money you can have your own mandoverse at this point like yeah just the universe you've created with mandalorian and all the other mandalore characters you got years and years of content with just all that yes have it be set during this time you know polish the effects up on luke and bring in luke han and leia man <laughs> come on oh man we can totally do it man we'll talk about luke later on <laughs> The armorer finishes melting the spear, and Mando suggests something for a foundling. Clearly, he's talking about Grogu. And I was like, geez, he's he's still thinking about he's him. Still I mean, caught up on him. I yeah. think, dude, I I really thought at the end of season two that this was it. This yeah, was all we were going to get of Grogu. Grogu. Yeah. And sorry, this is, I mean, this is the Mandalorian. This isn't Grogu. So we're going to focus on him, but he's still... He's still focused on sweet, sweet baby Yoda. So, do you think we're going to see him? In the, in the Book of Boba Fett, I should say. I don't know. It goes back to, you got to tell this Boba Fett story. Right. Then you're putting Mando and Grogu in here. It just would feel too out of place. Not that I would hate to see that. No. But I just think you have to get focused back on Boba Fett. Right. One episode is honestly almost a little too much, <laughs> but you go two and it's like, all right, this is a this isn't even it's Boba like, Fett. I don't even care about you, Boba Fett. Oh well, Fett. Why don't we fig finish <laughs> Boba's arc in Mando season three? Let's just get the rest of these two episodes with just Mando. Just a strange I don't know. <laughs> what do you what do you think he made Grogu? I it's gotta be like chainmail armor. Or something like that. Well, yeah, it's armor of some kind. We know that. Because he says... Or maybe it's like a necklace or something. With a with a, like a little Mandalorian crest, right? Dude, that's what I want. Right there. I figured it out. Well, when he gives the armor of the spear, he says, why don't you make armor out of this? Why don't you turn this into armor? Because hmm. she says... Yeah, I guess that's true. It's too dangerous to have around. You can't make weapons with Beskar. 
it's too dangerous to Mandalorians. And he's like, all right, make make this into armor then. So it's got to be some kind of armor for Grogu. It's weird how much they're developing his character because for all accounts and purpose, like he's not going to be a legit character for many years. The, all these characters are going to be dead and gone by the time Grogu's even a teenager. So I find it weird how much they're like putting towards this character who's a, an infant, basically. Like you need a Star Wars movie set way in the future with, with Grogu. If you're going to have him be a character, but I think it would be nice to have that if that movie gets made to have like a little something commemorating Mando like way into the future. It's a whole new time, but he's tied back to his, his, his dad, basically. That would be sick, man. My vote is for chainmail though. I think it's chainmail of like, like from Lord of the Rings. It's, it's a mithril, uh, vest or something like that. Yeah, that's what I think it is. What do you think? I it's got to be that because you it's see that be. shot where the little rings fall down. It looks yeah. like it looks just like chainmail. Dude, that smelting scene though that <laughs> that <laughs> that was pretty satisfying. She stood there. <laughs> yeah, but since you brought up Lord of the Rings, yeah, I think that dark saber has a one ring quality to it. The way all the other Mandalorian look at it. Like the armor, you see that she's strong. She's helping uh, Din improve his skills. She doesn't want this dark saber. She could have beat him in the duel right there. Took the dark saber. Yes, but no, she genuinely wants that. I don't know. She doesn't want the burden mm. of the dark saber. I guess she, of all people, recognizes its significance, and if you take it without winning it in combat, like she is like. The police of Mandalorians. Like, she knows every bit of that creed, man. Like, the back of her hand. And I, I don't know. That's part of the so, reason why I kind of like her. Yeah. Is it established in this episode that there are only the three left part of the creed? Paz Vizsla says that. He says, now there are only three of us. I thought he was referring to another Mandalorian. But I think he's just referring to Din. Like, them three. Yeah, and that's them three. it. A part of that tribe... That was at that was in Navarro, I think. I mean, obviously, there's more Mandalorians out there, but I think of that tribe left, there's only three, which is kind of sad because there was a lot of cool Mandos in season one really that we were. saw in there. Dude, I have all those Lego figures, man. So how many? <laughs> <laughs> how many of these the Mandalorian left practice the way still? Is it just these three? It was. This is like a small sect. Yeah, because we don't know. The children of the watches, I think, what Bo-Katan calls them. Because most Mandalorians don't care about taking their helmets off. No, yeah, we see all the other ones do it quite often. But this little, small, like, religious... I think they're called zealots. So I think it's like a hyper-focused version of a religion. You know, like, mm -hmm. like, in like in Christianity, there's your priesters who go to church on on Christmas and Easter... And then you have people who go every week, and they have youth group. They're involved in small group. They're they're really into it, and they're like this is their this is their life. So I think this is the religious zealots who follow the ancient ways of the Mandalore. Mm -hmm. That's how much they're deeply committed to this, and you get it in the fight. She's like, "Have you ever removed your helmet?" 
And he Paz says no. Yeah. And she asked Din the question three times. Have you ever removed your helmet? Silence. Have you ever removed your helmet? Silence. By creed, you must take the vow. He was scared, man. He did not want to answer this question. I was nervous for him, man. I was like, oh, man, you tried so hard not to take your helmet off. I know. You go back to uh, Mando season one, You have uh, he's on that planet and that one chick is hitting on him. He's like, nah, bro, I'm keeping my helmet on. Mm-hmm. So it's like, he, he worked so hard. It was just this one, these few instances where he had to take the helmet off. It's like you're going to cruise. It's, yeah, you fail once. You, That's it? Yeah. It's a, it's a what do you call it? A, a, a work-based faith. You, you, you disobey, you're going straight to hell. But no, he he can go get baptized, right? In the minds of Mandalore, yeah. that was something that's that's new, man. That's that's never been. I don't think, at least, unless I'm wrong, someone correct me. But I think the minds of Mandalore is a new thing, which is. I, I mean, I please please go to the minds of Mandalore, please. <laughs> that would be so epic. It would remind me of like the minds of Moria, <laughs> dude. I was that's what I was thinking of when she said that. I was, we got a lot of Lord of the wait, Rings references in this episode. Even because you were talking about the. Lord of the Rings with the dark saber, like even that, like when he's wielding it and fighting and training with the armor, he's like it's it's heavy. You're fighting your mental state. You're not focused, and it like the ring, it gets heavy yeah. when you're weak. It like, dude. Well, I mean, you see in this fight between we kind of skipped over the fight between uh, Paz Vizsla and Din Djarin. Yeah, it's in here, but we'll just talk about the whole scene. That's fine. Yeah, they have this epic fight, and Paz has him pinned. He picks up the Darksaber. Paz is going to win. But the pressure, yes. the weight of that Darksaber, he can't handle it. Is it you can't handle it unless you are worthy of it? Is that what it is? Or maybe you just need training because Moff Gideon was able to wield it pretty well, I guess. Yeah, it, the worthiness thing doesn't make sense to me because... Of the way Moth Gideon could wield it. Maybe it's just, it is truly just a ceremonial thing. Like, you wield it, and that's what it is. But I think, no, I think, if I remember right in Clone Wars, it's heavy. It's heavier. No, no, that's in Rebels. It's heavy. Like, this blade is heavier than regular lightsabers. So I think maybe that has something to do with it. A lot of this fighting in this is this, is like what happens in Rebels, too, as Sabine is training with it. Dude, yes. I mean, you're you're kind of you're kind of calling to the greatest story ever told, Lord of the Rings. So, I mean, you can adapt it as much as I for all I care. I mean, <laughs> that's fine with me, man. Darksaber looks freaking epic. So, I, I like the more that they give it significance and weight and storytelling. Like, the more the merrier. That's what I'm gonna say. It really is what they've done with this Darksaber. It really just is so ingrained in every bit of lore of star wars it's been there through this whole journey it has such a rich history like i don't even give a crap about anakin's lightsaber anymore because this dark saber has come so far thank you for referring to it as anakin's lightsaber i, I really appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> but yes at the end of the training sequence and the fight with paz Vizla, she asked him the question have you ever removed your helmet? And we get the, the line, yes, I had to. 
And she says, then you are Mandalorian no more. I am Spider-Man no more. <laughs> did, did you get the same vibes? That's what I got, man. She says the, she says the, she says the thing, man. <laughs> the only way one is redeemed is through the minds of Mandalore. And he is then cast out of the tribe. And that's it. I mean, clearly, we're going to see those two again. I really hope so, because Paz Vizsla is a beast. The armor is epic. Like, when, when they take back Mandalore in Season 3, I think we see them again. For sure. Maybe the, maybe the starting off of Mandalore Season back, 3 for sure, yeah. is him going to the mines of Mandalore. And be being, sick. dude, be, having him be reborn... So he just baptizes himself. Is that how we think it works? I don't. I would say yes. Because basically, or what we've already seen is this whole Mandalorian way is an honor system. Because he could have lied about taking off his helmet, but no, it's like you're part of this religion of Mandalore. You respect the rules that follow it. So he's not going to just pretend like he went to the mines. No, he's going to actually do it. He's not. I mean, you can tell he feels bad when he's. When he has to admit that he's taken off his helmet. They're all about the creed. If there's anyone who is honorable in the Star Wars universe, it's Mandalorians. He had to take his helmet off for twice in the Mandalorian. And then the third time it was to say goodbye, which is deeply emotional. Like that was. Uh, and you got to give Pedro some face yeah. time too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but just in that one scene, he doesn't. No, actually, he does say where he says, we will meet again. I think I promise or something like that. But but that's my thing. Is is he going to go to the mines? Yes. You think so? I think so. I think money is there. I think you bring it up, the only way you're reborn to basically regain your honor is through this ritual. But if he does that, then we're back to no, no face. Yeah. Which, I mean, I don't. So I don't maybe mind. he's... Do we think he's headed more? Like, I don't care. I think he, with his helmet on, looks great. Like, I'm not going to be upset if we don't see his face. Me neither. It's just like he's at a crossroads right now where he could sway either way. Yeah. Because last season, Amando, he met Bo-Katan. And he's like, she doesn't wear her helmet. And she's still considered a Mandalorian. But now he's in his, the way he was raised. Like, this is the way. Mm. You keep your helmet on. There's no other way. So, like, now he's at a crossroads. He doesn't know what to do. And I think that's the conflict they're setting up right now is, is he going to go to the way he was trained or is he going to sway this other way? And I think they they could really go either way with it. I think it would be cool to for him to go to the mines yes. and get reborn. But I want to at least see it, see that happen, because that, that was a very cool piece of imagery that was evoked right when she said that. Yeah, but the thing is, if from a realistic standpoint, we're talking real world, not just Star Wars. Mm. You're paying Pedro Pascal to play the Mandalorian. Play the Mandalorian. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's just stunt guys in there, man. He just does the voice at this point? I'm, I think. I wouldn't doubt it. I like I liked to picture him always suiting up. And... As a as like a fan of the show and in storytelling, yes, I picture Pedro in the suit. But practically real world, like you said, I think it's I think it's there's two other guys who I think do stunts for Mando, which is kind of weird. Like, why wouldn't you just get someone to like an actor's actor who can also like who's super athletic? Like that's what I like about Tom Holland 
as Spider-Man. Because he can act his brains out, but he can also... He's, like, super athletic, too. Like, he has a stunt double, yes, but he can do a lot of his own stunts. So why wouldn't you get someone... I mean, maybe Pedro's voice is just the perfect fit. Is that what it is? I don't know. I don't know. He's a big-time actor, though, so... He is. Having he, him in this role. Is, is he huge. not in Breaking Bad? Uh, or no, no, he's he's in Game of Thrones. That's what it is. Yeah, yes. he's in Game of Thrones, Narcos. Yes, Narcos is the other big one. I forgot about that. He's in Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> <laughs> that was so He's weird. in Kingsman. Dude, there, have you seen Wonder Woman 1984? No. That's, there, there's that's legit a line. Sorry, we're going off on a tangent here. There's legit a line where he he's... I'm going to present this out of context because it deserves it. He says, I am going to touch all these people. <laughs> that is all I'm going to say. Pedro that says that line? Yes, Pedro Pascal <laughs> says that line. <laughs> So, dude, that movie was whack. Anyway, side tangent over with. Yes. I don't know why you wouldn't just get an actor's actor who can do stunts, but I will say what they're doing is fine with me. It doesn't take me out of it. It's just, it's nice watching those Disney galleries, though, and then you're watching them and you're like, oh, well, it is just a stunt guy working on it the whole time. Those are actually, I would recommend those Disney galleries Mandalorian episodes. Have you watched those? No, especially, I haven't into those. Especially the one on Luke Skywalker. They're, his, his whole return. I would definitely recommend giving it a watch, man. It They're all fantastic. Especially the scoring one. But I think I have a bias about that. Yeah. Ludwig Gorenson is a beast. And dude, the title card starts off with a Book of Boba theme. And then it, it's a mix and mashup of the Boba Fett theme and the Mandalorian theme. Dude, that, that was pretty cool, man. I'll have to say that. <laughs> it was really clean. Yeah. Anyway, back to the Mandalorian. Or I should say the Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> the armor finishes melting the spear, and Mando suggests something for the foundling. Um, yada, yada, yada. And Oh, yeah, wait. that's We already finished that. Mando leaves the planet after he is cast out from his tribe, and he has to confiscate all his weapons while on board, and then he gets met by the little Rodian child. Clearly, it's reminding him of Grogu. We get a little bit of Grogu's theme in the background, which is just so perfect i love that theme it reminds me of christmas time like that theme was so prevalent during holiday 2020 i don't know it that's that's the feeling it gives me he arrives on tatooine though and we find out that pelimoto has been designing a ship for him they've been in contact and he he's in need of something new and i want to highlight the amount of droid diversity we see here just just for a little bit we we get a gonk droid we get three pit droids we get in R5 unit, this is the R5 unit from A New Hope that Owen Lars buys and then he his motivators blown off. And then they get R2. So Who's force sensitive. Uh, <laughs> in the expanded. Supposedly, R5 droids can't be force sensitive, but I, what happens in that story? I forget how that story goes. It's like he. Uh, Uncle Owen and Luke are about to pick R5, but then the droid knows that R2-D2 has the message from Leia on it, so it blows itself up. Yes, that's how it to goes. let R2 go on the quest. No, I am not the one meant for this. It must be R2. Self-sacrifice. R5, he was the real hero, man. Without him, Luke would not have defeated Vader. Let's yeah, I'm really excited that. to see 
what they do with R five in this series. Maybe he'll <laughs> wield, maybe he'll wield the dark saber. <laughs> Could you imagine? That? He'll win the fight for the dark saber, dude. But we also get a freaking BD one. Well, I should say a BD unit. And if you played Jedi Fallen Order, you were ecstatic because that was just. I mean, it's not the droid, I don't think. But dude, we haven't seen that. But he's your constant companion throughout that game. He's he's your R two D two, and you form a relationship with this droid who can't even speak English. It's just noises and stuff. Dude, it was so cool, man. I, <laughs> it was so like, that's what I'm saying, dude. The way it ties everything together is so nice. So we find out that the ship she's designing for Mando is an old Naboo N1 starfighter. Bro. Heck yeah. Flashback to episode one and my childhood because I think I had two variants of that ship in Lego form. Dude, those starfighters are awesome. Holy catfish, man. <laughs> we then see a pretty entertaining montage of them building it. A montage that may go on, may or may not go on for a little bit longer than it should. We get a lot of technical jargon. I enjoyed every second of I it. I do. Yeah. No, for me, that was definitely, I enjoyed that. And you get the Jawas in the middle of it. It Yes. It's just really cool. They're skinning <laughs> stuff off from the pikes and everything. <laughs> we also get a nice bit of like a, a dialogue about how the pikes are basically like a tyrannical force on Tatooine, pretty much. Um I don't know. I just thought all the technical jargon and everything they presented during this mo- like montage was so Star Wars to me. Like it, it was just so clearly something you'd seen in a Star Wars movie, even though I couldn't understand like more than half of the things that they were talking about. Like they would rattle off a line of like five words of technical jargon, and I was like, "All right, yeah, 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 that's yeah, let's go, Let, that's epic." <laughs> um. We also find out that Pelimoto dates a Jawa, and she can also speak Jawese, which I'm not making up. It's in the subtitles. They call it Jawese. That's the language. And she even gives us a little bit of speech in Jawese, I guess, which, I don't know, you, you could you could uh, take it or leave it. But I thought it was really fun. <laughs> I did think it was funny, yes. I will say this is the episode that sold me on her character. I was never really a big fan of her character during Mandalorian. She felt a little too wacky. And yeah, there are wacky Star Wars characters, but... <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> For those of you listening in, Ethan just showed me a, a picture of a news article, and it says, What's sex with a Jawa like? That's a really good question. I, I would say that it's... We know she dated a Jawa, so... <laughs> I would say it's probably pretty hairy. Well, that's what she says, so... <laughs> Dude, that was kind of whack, man. <laughs> like, bro, <laughs> hold up. That's Those things are pretty small. What? <laughs> all right, enough. Uh, okay, all right. <laughs> enough of this. Um, I was, I was, I'm going to say this about the ship though. I was hoping it would get a paint job. I don't think the yellow fits Mando's color scheme and I'm glad it did. What do you think about the ship? Well, it's not yellow, is it? Only part it, of it it's, is. It's, it's, there's a few streaks, but that's it. But I mean, for the finished product, I think as he's taking it out, what do you think about that? It matches his armor so well. Dude. It just looks so slick when he's flying it around. It's even got that little pod in the back for, uh. 
Grogu. Or bounties. We, we don't know. Or bounties, yes. I don't think he's... A lot of people are being like, yo, this ship is stupid, man. He He's not, like, this is... He shouldn't have this ship. It can't even store bounties, man. Like, what? I don't think he's going to be a bounty hunter anymore. I think he was doing this job at the beginning not as a bounty hunter. Like, he he was doing it because I think he owed someone a favor. I think, I don't, I mean, yeah, it's a bounty, I guess. He has a bounty puck, but I think he's straying away from that life. I think the more we get of Mando, the more we realize that he's going to start towards Mandalore and accept, excuse me, accepting his lineage. That's what I think. That's what I think we're going to, in my opinion. But, um, yes, I, in my opinion, the Starfighter looks beautiful. I especially like how they made it look and feel so fast. Because as he's going through and flying around the ships, man, it, like, it, clearly this thing has potential to be a pretty fast ship. It can even go sub-light speed right off the bat. It doesn't, she even says it doesn't need a, uh, a, a hyperdrive ring, which is right out of the prequels, man. And as we see him flying around Beggar's Canyon, we even see him blow through the pod race section of Tatooine where the Boonta Eve pod race was held. As he was flying through this, I was I was like, no way. Because I was thinking of the line, dude, no, me and, me and uh, Biggs used to blast Womp Rats back home in our T-16s. <laughs> and I was like, dude, if we see him blast a Womp Rat, and right as I said that, we saw him fly through and the Womp Rat was sitting right on the ground. I was like... No freaking way. Let's go. That's, dude, that's, again, so Star Wars. I love Star Wars. This is what makes me like Star Wars. It's just sad that all of these episodes have so much controversy involved with them. I I wish there wasn't, like, Mando was just, everyone was united in how beautiful it was, but I don't know. He then goes up to space and flies around starships, but it's pulled over by two X-Wings. One of the pilots is from season two, if you remember, Carson Teva. He's one of the Rangers, I think. Um, the other one is Mac. Also, hold on. Did you know that that guy, the one with the beard, he has a YouTube channel where he, he talks about Star Wars? Oh, that's awesome. Dude, That's I, I thought that was so epic. I looked that up earlier today. I haven't watched any of his content. I wonder if it's good content. What are his scoops uh, then? I think this will happen in uh, this episode of Book of Boba Fett. He accidentally lets slip. I'm not, I'm not biased or anything. <laughs> well, he's not really involved with much of it. I don't think. He's also just, he's he's like a mega fan, I guess. He's like he's like if I if I got cast. By the way, Lucasfilm, if you're listening, I I will do whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> the other the other pilot though is Max Lloyd Jones, uh, who was a body double for Luke Skywalker in season two. He was the the stand-in. After they CGI'd his face. But he was the guy who did all the stunts yeah. and everything like that. Which, um, uh, if they have him on set, maybe they'll just keep him around for a couple more episodes. <laughs> that would be, oh. Don't get my hopes up. We're getting there. He then jumps away at, uh, at sublight speed and he heads back down to the planet. And um, he he says his, his piloting was wizard, which evokes the line from Phantom Menace. Annie, that's so wizard, Annie. That was that that was epic. I liked hearing him say wizard. Um, he's got a good vocabulary, Dinjarin. Yes, he does. He does. He's he's a very educated man. I will say. Do you have something to say? No. Oh, okay. Whatever. 
at the end of this episode, we finally get our connection to Boba Fett. And Fennec Shand comes in and she offers him money to help Boba Fett. Paying off the line from last week. Mando tells her, it's on the house. But first, I gotta pay a, I gotta pay a visit to a little friend. And the episode ends. Mm. So, the question is... Are we going to see Luke Skywalker and Grogu, or are we going to Boba Fett? That's the question. I mean, we kind of discussed it. That's a question. That's a question. That's a question. I say no. I say no, too. It's going to happen off screen. The budget for this show, I think, is less than The Mandalorian. I don't think they're going to do the... I just don't think they're going to have Luke in here. If they do, I'm not going to complain. It's going to oh, be freaking epic. Of course epic. we're not going to complain. No. But again, it, it is to your point that this show needs to be Boba Fett focused. It has to get back on track and give us the Boba Fett story we were promised. Mm-hmm. I think what's going to happen is that Boba is on his... We're, the next episode is going to be Boba Fett, and he, he may have already hired bounty hunters who are then with him, or maybe maybe this next episode is him going out and hiring people. I don't think one, just the Mandalorian being there is enough. You know? And you I got Kersantan and all the uh, Inspector Gadgets running around. No, that's not, <laughs> that's not enough to defeat the Pikes. You need more. Maybe I'm wrong. I mean, he's got that rancor, so I, I, could, I could be wrong, but I don't know, man. I, I think... I wouldn't mind seeing Luke, but I think we do need to, yes, stay with Boba. And I think that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. We're only going to get Boba Fett in these next two. And then Mando is going to fly in at the end maybe of the next episode or during it after his meeting. His quest. But that's the thing, though. You think they wouldn't? they would deprive us of that? Because clearly he's going out uh, to see Grogu. Well, yeah, that's what he said. He said before... I'm going to help you. I'm going to go visit a little friend. Do you think they would deliberately tease us like that and then not pay off the most bankable character right now in the Star Wars universe, Baby Yoda? I would have so much respect for them if they do not show us Baby Yoda because he's just a money grab. Yeah. People love Grogu, and he is a reason why man the Mando show got so big. Yeah. Because you introduced this little cute guy. That's true. The cute factor. Everyone loved him. But I would have mad props to them if they just skip over this scene. If they try to give us some Mando content apart from Grogu. Because Mando, Din Djarin is such a rich and mm-hmm. enjoyable character. He doesn't need Grogu no. to be interesting and compelling. But that's how he's been is he's always been attached to Grogu. So it'd be really cool to see him separated from that. All right. So we're in a universe where he is going to see Luke Skywalker and Grogu. Now, what are we going to see? Because if this does happen, because I think it's still, I, I think it's 60, 40, 60. We don't see him 40. We do because do we see him on Coruscant? Do we see him on 
maybe Act 2? No, I don't think so, because Act 2 is something he goes to see afterwards. Where do we see him training? Like, clearly he takes him somewhere. Like, the question... Uh, dude, there's Bro, a, that, that's why I don't think it's going to happen, because there is so much that this would entail. Like, now you have to go to where Luke's training him. Now you have to go or... Like, what if he goes and tries to find him, and then he can't find Grogu? Yeah, okay. And they don't know where they are. Because I think there's comics of where he has his Jedi Order, and he there there's a planet I forget what it I forget the planet, but it's in the Kylo Ren comics as a kid, and that's another thing. What if we? What if this is? Because at this point, Ben Ben Solo is an infant. Yeah, what so, is dude, he like what two if, or three? What if we see Ben Solo <laughs> with Grogu, dude? Holy crap. And that this is where all those Han rumors start to get Yeah get into. Because okay. we know we see Han, but what if he's with Luke with and his son? Okay. <laughs> yeah, maybe he doesn't join Boba at all. This isn't gonna happen, guys. Don't get your hopes up for this. But someone's gotta teach Din Djarin how to wield this Darksaber. Why not Luke Skywalker? <laughs> That's hoping for too much. As a Star Wars fan, I have learned to temper my expectations because when it is, especially with the sequels, because what could happen and what should happen is often what doesn't happen. It's like let's 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 take what you guys are not expecting. And it's like ugh. dude, it's so clearly what should happen. I don't know. As a fan, though, you you have to serve the story, and it's like, all right, it is what it is. But dude, just just to see it, because you don't really get that in the sequels. They don't even go to Coruscant. Like, there's nothing about that. Luke is just a hermit, and that's it. I'd like to see some legit training, and prequel era Jedi Star Wars dealings. I don't know. Like, give, give us Luke in his prime. Yes, Luke de- deserves a, yes. his own show. Oh. And then maybe yes. Dude. this show can justify why he is the way he is in the sequels. It'd be very hard to do that because it's just so annoying where Luke ends up. But if they can give us a compelling story and show us why, connect the dots, it would just make it so much easier to see why he is the character he is in the sequels. Yes. And I will say this. This is where the Book of Boba falls apart. A little bit. A great episode of Mando. Not a good episode of Book of Boba Fett. And look at how long we've been talking. We've been talking for an hour and ten minutes about one episode of The Mandalorian. The last episode we talked about for Book of Boba Fett was great. And we talked for 40 minutes. The way that this episode structures itself. And the storytelling it brings up. And the possibilities that it brings about are so much more I think just interesting at this point. Like, I'm more interested in Mando than I am in Boba Fett. That's not to say that I'm not invested in Boba Fett's story. I'm still very excited to see where it goes. But is this just a placeholder series for Boba Fett? Is this, hey, let's get this character established as the ruler of Tatooine and he's the ruler of this area and that's why I want to tell the story. Or is it, is there a reason for this? I mean, is Boba going to die at the end? or? It's just so odd because this is called the Book of Boba. Right. And like I was saying earlier, 
just make it Mando season three if this is the story you're telling. Yeah. Because just have it very uh, centric on Boba Fett the first few episodes if that's what you want to do. Like we said, the first few episodes of Boba could have been two episodes if you condense it. And then that's only two episodes of a third Mandalorian season. And then you can still connect the pieces, have these two characters intertwined. But because because they put Mando in the show, it just feels like Mando's show now. Hmm. It doesn't feel like the Book of Boba anymore. Agreed. So, I mean, we'll see what happens in the next two episodes. I I reserve my judgment. This This is how I feel this week after investing myself in this episode. But how will I feel once the show is over? That is going to be the telltale sign of whether or not this was a good idea or not. Right now, I say no. But as for an, a singular episode of Star Wars, a piece of content, this was beautiful. Oh, yeah. It was exactly what I want when I tune in every week to watch Star Wars. You're not going to get this every week. But it shows you how much more investing Mando's story is than Boba Fett's. And that's why it's a mistake to put it in the book of Boba Fett. Because you don't do that, man. You're not going to put Iron Man's story in a Hawkeye episode. No. <laughs> Iron Man is a way more investing character than Hawkeye. So if you slap an Iron Man episode for the in the middle of Hawkeye that solely focuses on Iron Man to bring him into the Hawkeye show, it's like, well, guess what? Let's just get a show on Iron Man, man. So it's like that. It's this deal. So the perfect example of someone who pulled this off is, so spoilers for No Way Home, is No Way Home brought in Toby and Andrew, these huge beloved characters, mm. but they still did it in a way where it was Tom Holland-centric and it was still Tom Holland's story. You still cared about his character. And that's where I think Book of Boba has messed up. Lax, yep. It's still Tom's story. He is the main central emotional focus, but it's enhanced by these other, you could argue, even greater mm -hmm. characters. Yeah. And you didn't you didn't just take a whole movie for the existence of putting Andrew Garfield into No Way Home, you know. So it's like I don't know. It it it, it is a little strange, but I walk away from this looking and saying, "Hey, great episode of Mandalorian." Let's get back to Book of Boba next week. That's that's how I look at this. And that's what I'm going to do. Next week, I'm going to tune into the Book of Boba Fett. Not the Mandalorian. <laughs> now, if we see Luke, if we see Grogu, not going to be disappointed. I'm just going to wait it out to see how the end shakes out. Heck yeah. So, I think The Return of the Mandalorian is a perfect episode of Star Wars. Ethan, would you like to say anything else about this episode? Would you like to give your favorite scene of this this episode? Let's uh. do that. It's got to be the opening scene when you see him ignite that Darksaber. There's just n uh, no cooler shot than him wielding that Darksaber. Dude, yes. There are so many great scenes in this episode. Yes. Though, but, yeah, that first image, he is. Just, he looks so cool. Indeed. My favorite is the, second, the, the backstory on Mandalore yeah, uh -huh. and the imagery that that evokes. Dude, it's just a – that was – the scene where I was like, holy crap. The fact that I get to tune into this every week is is, is just too good to be true. That <laughs> I'm pinching myself every week. We we live in a time where every single week we're getting new content for some major franchise. 
It's just bizarre. Like uh, Peacemaker is coming out right now. We're not even watching that or talking about it. Yeah. But we are so overwhelmed with content that it's just unbelievable. Yeah. It's it's a good unbelievable. Like I'm I'm glad to be in this era because I mean you'll never run out of things to do. As a fan of, of television and as a fan of film, it makes this guy very happy. I know it makes you very happy uh, as well. So I think that does it for this week's episode of The Mandalorian. And uh, leave your thoughts down below if you're on YouTube, if you're on Spotify and Apple Music, give us a, uh, Apple Podcasts, um, give us a review. That would be greatly appreciated. Um, otherwise, this is Ben Rayside. This is Ethan Wetzlaff. Signing off, we hope you guys have an absolutely fantastic day, and may the Force be with you.